Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Angel Talk Cafe, your connection to the angelic realm and so much more. For the next hour, sit back, relax, grab your favorite beverage, and let's talk. The call-in number is 1-516-531-9322. And now, here is your host, Joy Barker. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're listening in live or in the future, listening to the archives. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here with me. I'm so excited about tonight's topic. We're going to address some difficult conversation issues that are so hot right now. And I want to let you know I'm not an expert, but what I am is excited about the changes that are on the horizon. This is absolutely amazing. So I'm going to do the best I can to bring some conversation, some difficult conversation about racism. And I actually have a friend that will be joining me this evening to have the conversations. So, oh, you can sign up for my newsletter, Notes from Above, sending an email to angeltalkcafe at yahoo.com. And in the subject line, just put Notes from Above. And you can also visit my webpage, angeltalkcafe.com. All right. So one of the topics that we're that let me bring Corey on. Hi, Corey. Thank you for joining me. Hello, Joy. I'm so excited about tonight's show. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> me too. It's a it's an important discussion that we have to bring to everybody tonight. It is, and I've just in the past couple of weeks, I have learned so much about me my biases, my prejudices. I've had numerous conversations with friends and it's just been absolutely amazing. And I just felt the need to address it as well as you did. Absolutely. Right. We are all in uncharted territory right now. (laughs) Aren't we? But, but it's, it's exciting. Um, Sometimes uh, people have a tendency to step into fear, but we are at that point of change. Um, I listened in to an astrologer a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about the lunar eclipses that we're that we had, um, and there's two more to come. And they were talking about what the influences are going to be, and what's so amazing is that it's going, it's bringing us to new insights, new perceptions. Um, it's time. It's time for change. It's like the planets are aligning along with what's going on, and that just brings me hope. So I'm very excited. But I wanted to start at the basics. So we hear a lot right now going on about biases. So what is it? It's a prejudice in favor or against one thing, person, or group 
compared with another, usually in a way considered to be unfair. It's like we all have that. Um, so what's unconscious bias? This was something, you know, I kept hearing, implicit bias, con unconscious bias. So I actually looked it up. And how does that apply in our lives? So what unconscious biases are is we all have unconscious biases. They are learned stereotypes that are automatic, unintentional, deeply ingrained within our beliefs, universal, and have the ability to affect our behavior. I mean, think about that. We're doing things that are so ingrained, we're not even aware of it unless somebody brings our attention to it. Absolutely. So, right? Um, and you and I have had conversations during the week, and we've discovered ours. Um, have you ever, and I'm posing this question to everybody, including myself, have you ever crossed the street in order to avoid someone of color? I've asked people that. I've asked myself that. And everybody, when they take a deep, hard look at it, yeah, absolutely. So, Corey, when during our conversations, you actually shared with me um, a study. It was a project called the Brown-Eyed, Blue-Eyed Project. Yes. And I found that absolutely fascinating. Can you share that project with us? Um, so basically it was a school teacher who did an experiment with her students and she separated the class by eye color. So she had the blue eyed kids on one corner, the light eyed children on one corner and the dark eyed children on the other corner. And, um, Throughout the day, she gave the dark-eyed children advantage. She gave them privilege. They got to go to lunch a little earlier. They got to take a little extra time for recess. Uh, they were given a lot of praise. They were given space to be themselves and encouragement to pursue, you know, ideas and thoughts and actions. And the light-eyed children, she did exactly the opposite. So she took away those privileges. Um, she, she no longer was complimenting them or giving them the help that, that the other children were getting. And what it created was a pretty hostile environment very quickly. Uh, so these were just young children. I think it was third grade, second or third grade. And what she noticed in just that one day is that the dark eyed children started to be more condescending to the, to the light eyed kids. Um, oh, she also made the light eyed children wear collars for the day, like not dog collars, but just like little, little collars that identified them as light eyed. If you couldn't see from across the room, you would know that that was a light eyed person. Oh, okay. Wow. And okay. so it was, it was the physical, you know, the physical identifying factor that added on to the experiment. But she noticed that these children uh, became a little withdrawn by the end of the day. Um, they were definitely not happy. They felt, um, they felt discriminated against was the bottom line. And 
the dark eyed children were discriminating, like kids who wouldn't, who wouldn't be doing that normally, all of a sudden felt entitled to um, treat them differently because they were just determined as different at that point. And so that was the first day. And then the next day she did the same thing, but switched sides. So all of a sudden the light eyed kids were getting the special treatment and the dark eyed kids weren't. And what happened, what she figured out from this experiment was that um, no matter what the situation was, the entitled group always took a little bit of, of advantage over the, the discriminated group. Like they felt like they had that superiority mm. because they were entitled. The they were entitled. And, mm. you know, by the time it was all done, these young children, um, they felt very connected to each other because they were then able to see what it felt like from either standpoint. And this woman actually years and years later brought these, these kids who were now adults back together and they still had that connection because they, they realized, you know, one of the things that they got out of it as children was, was how it felt to be discriminated against and they never wanted to do that to anyone else. So it was a really important experiment. And it stayed with them throughout their lives, didn't you? Yeah. Like as adults, right. when she brought them back, they they were still, you know, that was still something where they were like, I didn't want to, like, I felt like I was related to these people. And we, we'd gone through this event together. And from that point on, it, it didn't feel comfortable discriminating against anybody because they had mm. now been in that position from both sides. They bonded. Absolutely. They bonded. Wow. Um, you know, I was curious. Um, I, I was, I do not know about this project. Shame on me. Um, but interestingly, today I was on YouTube and I um, looked it up and was surprised to find out that Oprah had actually done a show about this and had her on the show. It was really interesting because as people started lining up, Oprah had a staff that was treating, you know, the light-eyed color people, uh, light-eyed people, um, in one line, and the other ones, you know, were sent back to the line. And so the light-eyed people, I think it was, that came in first, got front row seating. At no, some it was point, the dark they were. Was it? Okay, thank you. Thank you. It was the dark eyed people on Oprah because it was right around the time of the Rodney King uh, riot. That's right. It was in 68, I believe. That no, it was in 92. Oh my God. Okay, thank you. Yeah. That's why I have you with me. But what was interesting, I'm watching it today and I was shocked because immediately. You know, the one group was given coffee and donuts and they decided they were going to, you know, show off and eat in front of the other group. And so immediately when the show started and the, and the um, Oprah staff, they were kind to the one group and unkind to the other. So this show, within five minutes, you had people angry and speaking up, you know, once, you know, sit down. See, that's why, that's why um, they were in this side. And that's why, because this is how they are. It was really interesting, the anger that came out immediately, I was shocked. I really yeah, was. Yeah, it got very volatile very fast. And I loved in that experiment on the Oprah show how she 
she didn't bring it out as race immediately. Her right. like, approach to it was light-eyed people are less intelligent and less likely to succeed than dark-eyed people. And so right away, it was it was something that they knew wasn't true, but it was being enforced on them. And as adults and having that happen, it, like you said, it got volatile very quickly. So can you imagine the group of people today that have lived like that for 400 years? That, um, I mean, who wouldn't be angry? This group of people got angry within minutes. And, you know, so, yeah, we have anger and it's, justified um, about how people are struggling just to be a part of an equal. I mean, that's just disgraceful. Shame on us. Um, But what's great and what I have so much hope for is what I am seeing happening now. I mean, we've got corporate America getting on board. You know, I've known for years having, you know, my kids are in their late thirties now, um, seeing their viewpoints on racism and being so proud at how open and accepting of everything, everybody. Um, So it's just pretty amazing. And watching TV, um, it just brings me hope, but, you're going to have to go through some pain, unfortunately, before we get to what I've been saying for months, the new earth. I Absolutely. mean, our institutions are, are coming down. Um, uh, you know, Bruce, pro- police brutality is being looked at under the microscope right now. I mean, it had to take this, unfortunately, unfortunately, by losing George Floyd, but his legacy... Oh, my God, his legacy will live on. Okay, so these biases can affect so many areas of our life. It affects housing. You know, is everybody getting a fair share? Is everybody getting equal housing? No. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) No. Education. There, there are laws put into place that are supposed to to govern that, but I mean, the it it just isn't happening yet. No, but I believe we're on the verge. Absolutely. Education. Does everybody have equal opportunity to education? No. No. We all. don't. Not at all. Finances. It's going to affect your finances if you can't get a good education to get a decent-paying job. I mean, so not many... even education, just support. I mean, small business support, um, the the emotional support that you need to have the confidence to go out and do something for yourself. Community support. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. This is a biggie. This is the biggie. Healthcare. Oh, my goodness. You have a story you can share, a sad, unfortunate story that you can share with us. Will you do that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, um, it's a story about a woman who had a 19-year-old son who collapsed outside of their house. Uh, she was a black woman, and 
she, you know, obviously was concerned about her son. He, he came in and said that he was, thought he was having a heart attack. And she thought he was joking at first, but then once he said that he had collapsed, she grabbed her keys and took him straight to the hospital. And she had had health issues in the past and um, had never been sent to see a nurse practitioner. But when they went into the hospital, the doctor never actually came to see them. A nurse practitioner came and, you know, she was asking him the questions that, that a nurse would ask their patient. And she kept asking him if he drank or, or smoked or did drugs. And she did it repeatedly. And the mother got a little bit upset and was like, you know, can we check his heart? Cause he's 19. He lives at home. He's not doing any of these things around me. Like this isn't an issue. Can we please just check his heart? And so they run EKGs and, and, you know, they do a couple blood tests. Doctor never comes out to see him and they get all the, the test results back. And the woman comes back into the room and says, your toxicology report is clear. And that's what she focused on. And again, the mother was irate because she knows that her son isn't doing drugs and he's not smoking and drinking and, and he's got something wrong with his heart. And so the nurse tells her that there's nothing wrong with his heart, that he has a healthier heart than she does and to just go home. Uh, a few months later, the boy is playing basketball and his heart stops and he drops dead. And it takes about five months to get the uh, the autopsy. And when they do, uh, the cardiologist that that looks at it says that it was a completely preventable experience. Like like he could have been saved so easily by being sent to a heart specialist under those circumstances because that was the telltale sign that he had collapsed that day that even though it's very rare for a 19 year old to have a heart attack, uh, it's a defect and it happens. And it was, it was an easily solved problem, but it was negligence of, of that nurse who just saw a black boy and Mm -hmm. immediately thought that there was something that he was doing to bring it, bring this about, you know, meanwhile, this lady, this mother, this poor mother has experience with, you know, young white boys that are doing drugs and are drinking. And one of them, uh, he thinks that he's having a heart attack and he goes to the doctor and, you know, they keep him overnight and they send in a cardiologist and he sees the doctor and there's nothing wrong with him, but he gets that treatment where, he is being prioritized and that's the point of the story is that you know this mother feels this rage inside of her and you know after all of these riots and all of these these things that have been happening lately she spoke up and she spoke up with that that rage in her voice and that understanding of why people are doing what they are right now because mm-hmm. it's come to a point where they're so upset and and they feel so unheard and and the only outlash that they can have under the circumstances unfortunately is is a negative one you know the riots mm-hmm. and the you know, the anger and the breaking things and the fires and, and, you know, 
show me anybody who has dealt with that kind of loss and that kind of anger and resentment. And you're going to see somebody who has the capability to do all of those things. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I cannot imagine. I just, I don't know what I would be capable of to find out that if I had a child that could have lived and it was totally preventable, but because they categorized my child because of the color of our skin, I don't know what my, what I would want to do. I know it wouldn't be good. Um, And so I know there is so much pain. There's so much heartache, but we've come to the point where there's no turning back. The people are not leaving the streets until there is reform, until there are changes. That excites me. It also concerns me because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so I have a great concern about that. But, you know, given my precondition, my health issues, you know, there's no way I can step out and be able to protest and give a voice which is why I came back on the air so that I could have a voice, that I can give others a platform to talk about their experiences and what they're seeing happening every day, every night. It's, it's disheartening on some points, and it's so exciting on the other. Um, we are definitely in a, in a tragic but also beautiful point in history and I feel that so deep inside like it it is I'm so I'm so happy to see the changes that are going to come about from this so am I and sometimes I think I actually feel a little bit guilty because I know there's so much pain out there right now but I know this is where we have to go in order to bring about the change you know We definitely have to put an end to these biases and demand change, and that's what is happening right now. We have to stand up for change. There are too many injustices. The racism has gone on too much, too long. It's it's time. The the inequalities, brutality. Um, I don't know why so many people for so many years has turned an eye. To police brutality. Well, I think that we talked about it a little earlier, and I think a lot of what the the police brutality is is the history, in general, of the police force. I mean, it's always been, you know, as much as I I appreciate what they do, and there are good cops out there, Mm -hmm. but it's always been kind of a good old boys club. Exactly, that blue wall, that blue wall. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, seriously, there's changes every day. It's hard to keep up with them. They have taken out, um, taken off the air live PD, um, all these cop shows. Yeah, they canceled um, cops after like 30 years, I think it was, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the producer of that show or on um, made a statement that he was saddened and I'm like, no, it's time. I was thrilled to hear that they took those off the air. Me too. You know, Corey, there was another study done and they had a black boy and a black girl and a white boy and a white girl. They all sat down at a table and was giving things to do, activities. 
And the teachers were asked to observe and make note of the same identical behaviors. Time and again, the teacher categorized the black child as a challenge. It was actually back to that unconscious boy. bias. <laughs> yeah, that the black boy was considered to be a challenge. And why is this? It is because our society is so steeped in these ideas that kids, kids like him, are trouble. You and I was talking about this earlier, and I mean, it just breaks my heart because these children are in the age group of four and five, and yeah, children are aware by that age group that they are not favored. They're feeling less than. It hurts my heart. It hurts my spirit to think that these innocent children are learning this at such an early age and throughout their lives. I, I just don't know. I don't know. That just hurts. But again, things are changing. I'm excited. You know, and, you know another example, and this has been all over the TV, internet, there was a white woman that was in the park with her dog and was asked to leash the dog. Um, it's a city ordinance. We have to have our dogs leashed here. The woman dialed 911 and reported that she was being threatened, Her that she and her dog were being threatened. Yeah, I saw this video. It the was heck. atrocious. I mean, Did you actually see the video? Yeah. Yeah, well, she's, you know, she was clearly aggressor in the situation. The man mm-hmm. was a bird watcher, and he was just videotaping her. And meanwhile, this woman is dragging this poor dog around the park, <laughs> saying that she's feeling threatened. And just because the guy was videotaping her because she was acting like a lunatic, and you can actually see the, the act that she puts on when she dials 911. It was disgusting. Yeah. He's threatening me. There's a black man in the park and he's threatening me. And, and she's like fake crying. And then the 911 operator can't hear her. And then all of a sudden she can talk normal again and talk normal and then gets all scared again. And I, oh my goodness, I was, I was livid watching that. You know, and they're calling the police for yeah. an in, you know, they should be ticketed. They should be, something needs to happen. This has to stop. And until we start taking action against these people that are doing this, just, you know, there was another incident um, a, week, a week ago where there was this white socialite woman sitting in the park. And there was another um, black lady that was sitting in the park also on a different bench and just enjoying her day. Next thing she knows, this socialite is on the phone with the cops and saying she's being threatened by this black woman. Well, this woman hears the conversation and decides she needs to record this. Um, And we are in that day and age where we have to use their cell phones to record because we don't know what they might do next. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane. It's actually for protection, you know, and where we're at today was because that 17-year-old girl was brave enough to film George Floyd. Where would we be if we did not have that video today? So I understand people that 
are feeling the need to protect themselves by videotaping. You know, I'm not doing anything. I'm sitting on the bench. You know, so this 100%. white woman. Yeah. And this white woman, all she wanted was the person to be moved. Why the hell didn't she get up and walk away if she felt uncomfortable? No. And why would you feel uncomfortable? (laughs) Exactly. The unconscious bias, but this person I think was just a racist. She kept saying, I'm not a racist. I'm like, okay, you're defending the very obvious. Um, Right. And we're going to talk about that some more. So have you ever walked into a store, and this has happened to me, and noticed that you are being watched by security, making an assumption of your inability to pay? There was one of the anchors on CNN the other day. She actually did a a special about biases, and um, she said it happens to her all the time. That's terrible. And she says when she approaches the counter, she's still looking. She's looking around to see if that um, person is still, if security is still there. No, they figured out, okay, she's paying, I can go on to the next person. So it's just disgusting and unfair. There are too many instances like this that happens every day in our country. And I think we're ready to change that. I hope so. I know that I know that I want to see the change. I'm I am so ready to see this change because <laughs> we have been missing out on so many amazing people and amazing talents and the gifts that they bring to the world by not giving them the credit that they deserve. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we all have prejudices and biases. Most don't want to admit And why is this? Because they will feel bad about themselves or they will feel guilty. And when we recognize this about ourselves, we will wind up defending it instead of admitting it. So people would defend it to the end just because they're not willing to take that deep look inside. I think that's a that's a pretty common issue outside and and inside of racism though. I mean, accountability is it's difficult um mm-hmm. to be 100% responsible for the way that you feel and the things that happen in your life and and the way that you make other people feel is not an easy thing. And mm-hmm. you know, that comes down to to definitely looking inside and taking time to um, to take that personal inventory of how you can improve and and really honestly looking at who you are as a person and what your values are. Exactly. You know, when I was thinking about this, because I've done so much self-reflection, um, I know the household I was raised in, and it was not a healthy one on so levels and so I had to search it's like okay where are my biases where are my my prejudices because until I can see them and acknowledge them um, we can't change it and what was interesting when I started excavating so to speak um, within a few days I was being made aware of other ones that I hadn't even that wasn't on my radar so once we're willing to what I call take that self-inventory and we have that open heart, show me, show me where mine are. 
I want to know because I can change that. What we can, what we create, we can disrupt and undo. So there's power in admitting and do, taking that self-inventory. And one of the things um, that came to mind is if you're familiar with Louise Hay work, her mirror work. I love her. You know? Um, yeah. Oh, my God. It took me so long to be able to do mirror work. I couldn't even look at myself. I couldn't look in my eyes. I couldn't say, I love you. But what I can do now is, like, I look in my eyes, and I'm like, show me. Where are your biases? Show me. Show me. It's the only way I can heal it. So yeah. that work came to mind um, recently. You know, another question that I pose to everybody is, have you ever stayed quiet when someone around you makes a racial slur or told a racial joke? And you stay quiet because you don't want to rock the boat or make anyone uncomfortable. Personally, I've done it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've done it. Um, And the excuses that I made, well, very early on when I experienced it, it's like I didn't have a voice. I was not able to speak my truth. Um, but again, at the time, it was unacceptable. Nobody would ever be able to get with, get away with that with me today. I will call you out on it. It's unacceptable. In the past, I just wasn't the empowered woman that I am today to say that's not okay. That is not okay. So, you know, again, look at what we've done. It's, you know, it's ingrained. So those days are over. It's a new day. Become the change you want to see. So no more excuses. So, Corey, how does one begin a discussion about racism with family and friends? Um, I mean, I think it's important to identify where your friends and family stand on things. And I think our job at the moment, um, people that that are sensitive to this need to be very gentle. Um, We need to be very, um, as odd as it sounds, we need to be kind to them because nobody is born with biases. Nobody is born with racism. It's something Mm -hmm. you've learned. And if you... um, if you try to disrupt somebody's learned behavior abruptly, uh, you're going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of kickback, so to speak. Like you're going to get a lot of of resistance. Uh, They're going to feel like you're personally attacking them potentially. And so I think it, I think these conversations need to happen, but they need to happen in a way that, that is more showing that person that there is a different way of thinking and educating and, you know, just gently reminding. And if you see somebody that you love or care about that is, you know, acting in a way that's inappropriate, it's, it's never a bad thing to show them a different way because there's always a choice. We have choices on how we approach things every day and we can always change our minds. 
So showing them that they're able to change their mind, I think is the most important thing right now, because I know a lot of people are dealing with issues with friends and family. And I've been seeing a lot of people on social media saying, I'm deleting all of these people from my friends list and I've deleted family members. And as much as I agree that there is no more room for racism and, and it's done and we need to like as cliche as it sounds like stomp it out. Um, it's not something that's going to happen overnight because this country is based unfortunately on a lot of prejudice and racism. And -hmm. there's a lot of people that, that, we're taught that from such an early age that, that they believe that it's truly ingrained in them. So those are the people that need to learn a different way. And mm-hmm. our job as, as, you know, healers or light workers or mm-hmm. um, people like that need to be the ones to show them that way. And we need to do it in a kind and compassionate way. And because anger and fighting right now is going only going to be counterproductive. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I know I'm I'm going to have a difficult conversation, I definitely try to come from a love-based um, place, um, and I because we have to be the example, right? Yeah. Absolutely. We so have to I show mean, them what the right side of history is going to be. Exactly. That's so. That's so funny. Um, because that was going to be what I said next. But light workers are here to heal the planet. So we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing is bringing the intention, um, the attention to it, and being able to look at ourselves and go, oh, yeah, that is bias. Um, oh, that is an unconscious bias. I see it. I know it. Let me heal that. You know, so I just think we're on the right path. Um so how do we begin to heal them? That's the question I started asking myself this last week. And I'm going to go through this a little quickly because we're getting a little short on time, but bear with me. So the first step is to get out of denial. To stay in denial of our racist attitudes, we're actually standing in our own way of becoming the people we want to be. It's about becoming our pure potential. The next step is actually doing the hard work. It's not easy to look at ourselves. I mean, we're looking at our shadow side. We're looking at things that we've done that's not been right, and we have to be willing to we have to be willing to look at it and to change it. Look at your community, your friends, and notice what is so difficult to admit. I mean, I've had, you and I have had those heartfelt conversations. Um, I have talked to friends over this past week, and they're, I mean, they called back and said, oh, my God, you know, I've been doing this, or, oh, yeah, I remember being told this as a kid. Um, Some of them are really concerning, but they're looking at them. It's giving people the opportunity to go, you know what, I didn't even know that. I wasn't even aware I was doing that. It becomes second nature. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? So instead of trying to defend what we think is bad or what we think could be, um, we don't want to admit it. Bring it to the light. Bring it to the light because that's what's going on right now. And have you ever been put in a position of feeling or being better than? 
You know, do you give others the benefit of the doubt? Once you're able to look at the biases honestly, bring courage, and we know courage. You can't get to courage without going through the vulnerability. Brene Brown has studied this for years. You don't get to courage without going through vulnerability. So we have to know that, and we have to be willing to do that. We will come out on the right side of history. And we have to face our fear. It's uncomfortable to have the conversations, but it's supposed to be. Bring a love-based attitude. So, you know, I am very hopeful. I'm very excited. Um, I love having these conversations with my friends. Um, and they've been, like you, so loving and so accepting and being willing to look. And this is where it starts. And I am so excited. We are going to be the change we want to see. Corey, it's I'm going to, to come from individuals. Right. And, I mean, we've got so many people getting on board with, with what's not right in the world today. And I'm so excited about that. Every day I'm seeing somebody else speaking out against this or speaking out against that. And these are people in high positions influence in the world, whether it's an actor, a politician that's, you know, wants to do the right thing. I'm just excited. Corey, I want to thank you so much for joining me in this conversation that I know is not easy, but it's so important to have. And I also want to give an opportunity for you to share what you do with our bond. Can you let my listeners know what it is um, and what it can do? Absolutely. Uh, So I actually am a consultant for a health and wellness company. And it's something that, especially in these times, I'm so entirely proud and excited to be a part of this company because everybody starts at the bottom and everybody has the chance to go to the top. And to me right now, especially, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, as long as you're 18 years old and, you know, have a desire to make the world a better place, um, you know, this is a spot for you. Everybody is so inclusive and such a, it's such a wonderful community. Um, and what we do is, is we have, uh, holistic healthcare products. We do skincare. Uh, we have a wonderful nutrition line. Uh, we do hair care and personal care. So if you shower and wash yourself and would like to eat right, uh, it's definitely one of the better options out there. Um, we're clean, pure, toxin-free, vegan, and it's just a wonderful company. We became a B corporation this year, so. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a little bit about what it is, and and if you'd ever like any information, uh, feel free to contact me. And how do they contact you? Uh, that would be through my website. It's Corey Wilson, C O R I W I L S O N dot Arbon A R B O N N E dot com. 
Thank you. And, Corey, again, thank you so much for being on air with me and having this awesome conversation. I'm so grateful for you. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's the end of our show. As always, ask your angels. Thank you for listening to Angel Talk Cafe. We'd like to hear more from you, so please post your comments on our Angel Talk Cafe page on Facebook. For more information about Joy's angels, mediumship, and psychic readings, visit her website at angeltalkcafe.com. <laughs>